The Germans broke through at Armentiers. What? The entire British Third Corps is trapped in the Belgian lowlands. And this paper is already a week old. Calm down. Father, with my fluent German, I could become an officer. Yes, and lead other young boys to the slaughter and be slaughtered yourself. The men who served under you worshipped you. Then they were damn fools, all of them, weren't they? This is a turning point in the history of the world. H how can how we... How can we what? Father, you can't expect us not to be part of this. You taught us... I taught you to think for yourselves. That's what I taught you. And to defend what's ours. Yes, what is ours? What is ours? Well, we've already lost two of our cousins at the mine. And we've never even met. And don't talk at me, boys, if I've never seen a war. Not a war like this, you haven't. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I open up with that scene from the movie Legends of the Fall. Uh, that scene was uh, talking about the World War One and uh, Colonel Ludlow's sons uh, feeling like they needed to be patriotic and get involved against naked aggression across the other side of the world. And I think it's uh, very similar to what we're seeing now, except for the today, nobody, nobody in the United States let's say three quarters of the United States thinks this doesn't affect them. And uh, I had somebody on Facebook say, Hey, what's the difference in, uh, in why are we more concerned with what's going on in Ukraine than, uh, than the way the, the government's treating the truckers in uh, their protest in, in Canada, which is right next door to us. And I said, because the Canada is not likely to turn into world war three, and what's happening between Russia and Ukraine is very likely to turn into World War III, uh, assume, assuming that we misplay this. And I'm for all, uh, all evidence shows that Biden and the Biden administration, whoever's running that, uh, is indeed misplaying it. And it's uh, a scary thing. And people should have their eyes open to this as to what's going on. And um, not that there's a lot we can do um, at this point, but clearly, clearly allowing the 2020 election to be stolen by the Democrats uh, that we all know was stolen. Things would be a lot different had had uh, Trump been reelected, which in my eyes, he was. And uh, we allowed the Democrats to steal it. But we'll talk about that in more detail. The song I use is Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky. And I use that because we lost a, a good friend, Don Dix, this, uh, this week. Uh, Don Dix of uh, the Jen and Don and uh, the, the Inland Empire answer, whatever his, uh, the name of his, his uh, latest uh, show he had on, and the Unite IE. 
Uh, he's been on, he's been on this radio station for about eight years, I think. Um, and we lost him on Monday, on Tuesday morning, um, at the, at the young age of 64. Um, Don was, Don was very private about his health issues and he posted a Facebook thing about three or four weeks ago, I think letting it all, letting it all out in the open. And, uh, if you're friends with him on Facebook or you just search him, he's probably, you just search him. He tells the story of, of what he had been going through. And, uh, we lost him at 5 45 AM on Tuesday after surgery. And, um, Don, if you, if you'd never met Don, Don was just like you hear him on the radio, uh, well-spoken, uh, gentle, kind person, um, involved in politics, local and national and state, and just was, uh, involved in everything and endless, endless energy from Don and, uh, his health went, his health seemed to, to take a spiral about starting about four or five months ago. And, uh, life is, life is very, uh, life is very fragile and we, uh, are going to miss, uh, Don and, uh, Hey Don, uh, if you're listening, rest in peace, buddy. We'll see you on the other side. So anyway, let's get to, uh, let's get to what's going on this week in our, in, uh, in this, in this country and around the world and my opinion of it. And before I give you my opinion of it, for those of you that don't know me, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman. I'm branch manager of Planet Home Lending. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities if you, uh, if you know where to drop your hook and you uh, know when to drop your hook and what kind of bait to use, um, if, you're, uh, if you're needing financing to take advantage of some of those opportunities, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to uh, get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet, it's still a little bit too personal, or you don't want your friends at work to know about your personal stuff because you're calling while you're on the clock, go to edhoffman.net, click on the Planet Home Lending logo, and that'll take you to my lending page. You can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. And I will help you. Uh, you'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates. And we will find you, help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if there's any part of the show you want repeated, stay on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as a gazillion past shows. And uh, you can also get this, the, the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes iTunes uh, slash Apple podcast, where you can uh, subscribe for free, have it download to your, uh, your phone or your computer, whatever device you listen to podcasts on and have a, we, uh, I record on Friday mornings. Uh, we upload on Friday afternoon and sometime in early Friday evening, it'll download to your device and you can listen to it on demand. If you want to make a comment on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. And I do see all those. And, uh, Sometimes I respond, not always. Sometimes I respond on the radio. So uh, anyway, but I do appreciate all your, all your comments. Uh, so let's talk about what's going on across this uh, globe of ours. Um, after weeks of speculation as to when he would move forward with his plan to invade Ukraine, Vladimir Putin made a declaration on Monday that Ukraine has always, been, has always belonged to Russia. He blamed the fall of the Soviet Union 30 years ago for everything that, everything that ails him. Which, uh, which, which led me to say, 
how old is this guy? So uh, Vladimir Putin, although he looks like a uh, uh, a youth with a high with a high hairline, um, he still looks young. Um, he is in fact 69 years old. Uh, he then gave the order for 150,000 Russian troops to begin surrounding Ukrainian territory on three sides. By Thursday, Russian troops had crossed the border. I think they'd actually crossed the border uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, and they went in. I guess they sent in some people. They sent in some people to go in and fire some missiles, so they could fire some missiles back towards the uh, back towards the Russians, so they could say that you that the Ukraine started it. And uh, much the same way, so it makes them look better. And uh, then they came over on Thursday, all the all the way forward, uh, with uh, not pretending it to be anything. Reminds me of something on January sixth of uh, twenty twenty one. You know, you got a, a big ton of uh, peaceful protesters, and all you got to do is dress up about uh, fifty or hundred thugs with MAGA hats and make them go into the Capitol and uh, break windows and and uh, act the fools and suddenly uh it's a insurgency of trump supporters against uh against democracy so uh so that's that's kind of what the how the russians go over there hey send these guys in have them send some some missiles over so it looks like they provoked the attack um by thursday russian russian troops across the border seized the famed chernobyl uh, nuclear site um, which is basically a containment site. It's not producing nuclear nuclear energy, um, but now with uh, them disturbing the uh, the uh, the site, there's concern that that's going to release radiation. So there's a radiation problem there now, uh, and they're moving towards Ukraine capital of Kiev, which uh, as of Friday morning they're they're in attacking, bombing. It's uh, it's full on. Uh, I would imagine Ukraine will belong to Russia in a matter of, uh, let's see, how long did it take for the Taliban to take Afghanistan back? About three days. <clears throat> That's probably what it'll be over there. And of course, uh, uh, Biden, Biden's been sitting back waiting to think about getting ready to get ready to think about doing something um, that might deter this. Now that Putin's agenda to reassemble the Soviet Union and transform the landscape of Europe is clear, it appears the West has been thrust into a new Cold War. Let's look at everything that's transpired this week. On Monday, failed border czar Kamala Harris was sent to the Munich Security Conference in Germany. So this Munich Security Conference has been going on for about 50 years. You get about uh, 70 or 80 of the leaders of, uh, of uh, all these countries across the world to talk about keeping, uh, keeping the world secure. And uh, typically, you have our president go over there and actually make a coherent, coherent speech that makes us look like, uh, like we're actually uh, paying attention, like we're awake, like we're conscious. Um, this time, we had had uh, Kamala Harris go over there to 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 look like a world leader who knows what she's doing. In the unfortunate event she she becomes president, what she delivered instead was what the New York Post called a word salad of nonsense. Our position is for us very clear, which is as a leader, which we have been bringing together the allies, working together. I mean, listen, guys, we're talking about the potential for war in Europe. I mean, let's really take a moment to understand the significance of what we're talking about. That sounds so presidential. Sounds so strong. 
come on, guys, let's get it together. Let's all put our hands in the in the middle and say, go west. What an idiot. You know, it's it's kind of embarrassing that this is our representation to the world. This is our leadership going over there to uh, to make a comment, to to talk about the security of of the world. And well, hey, let's talk about it. Let's talk about this is a potential war in 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 Europe. Oh, my God. You think you don't think they are paying attention? It's right in their backyard. On Tuesday, Biden announced a series of long overdue economic sanctions the U.S. will impose on Russia as punishment, including canceling the, of the Russian Nord Stream 2 pipeline. So today I'm announcing the first tranche of sanctions to impose costs on Russia in response to their actions yesterday. And we'll continue to escalate sanctions if Russia escalates. We're implementing full blocking sanctions on two large Russian financial institutions, VEB and their military bank. We're implementing comprehensive sanctions on Russian sovereign debt. That means we've cut off Russia's government from Western financing. It can no longer raise money from the West and cannot trade in its new debt on our markets or European markets either. Starting tomorrow, we'll also impose sanctions on Russia's elites and their family members. They share in the corrupt gains of the Kremlin policies and should share in the pain as well. And because of Russia's actions, we've worked with Germany to ensure Nord Stream 2 will not, as I promised, will not move forward. As Russia contemplates its next move, we have our next move prepared as well. Russia will pay an even steeper price if it continues its aggression, including additional sanctions. Wow. We're, we, we, we put, uh, put limits on two of their banks, and we're, uh, we're going after the, the leadership in the Kremlin and their families. We're going to cut off their ability to uh, trade debt with the with, uh, United States. And uh, we really didn't do anything that's really going to bother anybody. Hey, uh, you know, the United States messed up my bank account for a little while. Uh, can I just uh, transfer stuff in, in with your bank account? Sure, sure. No problem. Biden is weak. Biden is weak. And this stuff should have happened before the attack. On Thursday, as Russia took control of Chernobyl uh, and continued plowing towards Kyiv, Biden got on the podium again to announce more sanctions designed to prevent Russia from participating in the global economy. We will limit Russia's ability to do business in dollars, euros, pounds, and yen. We're going to stunt the ability of, to finance and grow Rush, the, the Russian military. We've already seen the impact of our actions on Russia's currency and the ruble, which early today hit its weakest level ever, ever in history. We've now sanctioned Russian banks that together hold around $1 trillion in assets. We've cut off Russia's largest bank, a bank that holds more than one-third of Russia's banking assets by itself, cut it off from the U.S. financial system. And today, we're also blocking four more major banks. That means every asset they have in America will be frozen. We will keep up this drumbeat in the days ahead. And of course, don't forget, he told everybody in the United States they're not allowed to do business with, with Russia, uh, all the big companies. And of course, if you didn't happen to be watching TV when he made that comment, you might still be doing business with Russia. And it seems to me the United States 
as of this morning, still buying 595,000 barrels of oil per day from Russia. 595,000 gallons. Now, now if we had the, uh, the XL pipeline pumping right now, uh, that would be bringing us 830,000 barrels of oil a day. So uh, I think he, I think he shot himself in the foot. We'll talk more of that in a couple seconds. Now, will these sanctions actually do anything to stop Putin? Uh, the consensus seems to be no, which is why Democrats want us to know, children, the word for the day is deterrent. No one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. The purpose of the sanctions in the first instance is to try to deter Russia from going to war. The president believes that sanctions are intended to deter. They're meant to prevent and deter a large-scale invasion. We want them to have a deterrent effect. The sanctions are designed in the first instance to try to deter Russia from taking further aggression. As well as our efforts to uh, both try to deter Russia uh, through sanctions. If you pull the trigger on that deterrent, well, then it doesn't exist anymore as a deterrent. Yeah, you... you We've been pointing this out for a couple of years that, you know, the, the Democrats, they get on they get on the camera and uh, and they're all using the same word every single day. You know, mass, 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 science, 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 testing, 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 ventilators, ventilators, ventilators. And uh, yesterday, Thursday, it was deter, deterrent, deter, deterrent. <clears throat> it's amazing. Deterrent. But a deterrent, by definition means it's there to prevent something from happening. This would have been a good thing to do, I don't know, a month ago, two months ago. Why would you wait until they actually invade to do it to do this? They already did it. People are dying in the Ukraine. This thing is over. And that's when Biden decides to do something. Now I've heard uh, I've heard some people speculate that uh, that the reason that Biden doesn't want to uh, go after the SWIFT, uh, cut them off from the SWIFT system, which is the SWIFT banking system, is uh, what basically controls all the international trade and how the banks trade with each other, communicate with each other, and they could cut Russia off from that. And apparently there was a comment by one of, one of, uh, of Putin's spokespeople saying that we've never, we've never attacked a system that we were a part of, meaning uh, inferring that, hey, as long as you don't cut us off from it, there's no reason for us to attack it. And of course, you realize that now that everything's internet and, uh, and all the, the cyber stuff that we have on, they can, they can attack one, uh, one spot and make a, instead of, instead of attacking uh, a particular place and, and taking down a building and killing a thousand people, um, they can attack one system and disable disable our country or a big section of our country from from a lot of it and that's one of the big concerns out there so so think about so so let's let's talk this is something that should have been done before they they should have he should have said hey this is what we're going to do to you until you back off your troops from from the ukraine border don't say hey this is the you know just in case and i heard uh, somebody say hey if we the reason that i heard a democrat say the reason that Biden doesn't do these uh, these sanctions now is because, hey, um, we're not doing the sanctions because you haven't done anything. You haven't uh, actually you haven't actually attacked. So you wait till they attack and then do these things, then punish them for it. 
No, you use them as a deterrent and say, say, hey, we can see what you're doing. Back the hell off or else we're not going to release these sanctions. But that would re- that would require somebody in the uh, country to have a have a brain, someone in uh, in the White House and uh, and the Defense Department and Homeland Security and every other department of the federal government. So let's talk about uh, why why does uh, why does Russia want Ukraine? Other than the fact that he wants to reassemble the the Soviet Union and turn us back to uh, before Reagan, um, Ukraine Ukraine has a, a, a enormous enormous uh, ton of of resources you know besides besides oil um they're the number one supplier in the world of sunflower oil uh manganese they're number two uh, supplier in the world for manganese manganese for making steel iron ore number two uh uh supplier in the world mercury ore number two in the world barley number two corn number three potatoes number four Rye number number five. Rye is that the stuff you drink, or is that the stuff they make rye bread with? Uh, coal number seven in the world. Wheat number eight. Chicken eggs number nine. Uranium they're number nine, but they're number one in Europe. Uh, titanium number ten in the world. Number two in Europe. Shale gas number thirteen in the world. Number three in Europe. Cheese number sixteen in the world. This is an enormous chunk of uh, of economy that's. That uh, used to be part of the Soviet Union. Now it's now it's Ukraine and Russia wants it. Russia wants that, so that's the that's the reason that they want. Hey, here's big Russia. They want this little piece of uh, of what's going on. What's going on there? Now, how does this affect you? How does how does what's going on in Russia affect uh, affect you? In in both their uh, in both their speeches this week, Biden and Harris acknowledged that the sanctions will inevitably raise the energy costs in the United States. So Biden, Biden, the idiot that he is, d- didn't have any concept of, of a cause and effect. When he came to the con- when he came into office and immediately uh, shut down the XL pipeline, stopped drilling in Anwar, cut off all, all, lease, all uh, leases to drill on federal lands across the country. Um, I guess he's sucking up to uh, AOC and the, the squad and all the, all the uh, all the climate change people, hey, we're going to turn this off, or maybe he just said everything Trump did, I'm going to turn off, which seems which seems more likely because he didn't put much thought into it. Then Trump had actually seen what was going on in in Germany with, hey, we're paying to defend you guys from Russia, but meanwhile you're buying all your oil from Russia. This isn't going to this this can't continue. You're either going to defend yourself or we're going to supply your oil. And he shut down the Nord Stream 2 uh, pipeline, which, uh, which Russia would use to, to send oil to Germany and to uh, supply Europe with oil. And so think about that, what, Ra- what Reagan did. Reagan, Reagan shut down the Soviet Union by driving the cost of oil down, which is Russia's, Russia's only natural resource. So he drives the price of oil down and he, and, he, and he pumps in all the money in America into, into our military so that Russia can't keep up. They can't continue spending because they're not making the money. Biden gets in the office. Oh, Trump gets in the office and he, and he in, enforces that. Hey, shut down Nord Stream. Let's drill, drill, drill. Let's pump up our uh, energy, our energy independence. And Biden comes in and turns it all the way back to 1980. And what's happening? 
the United States gets weaker and Russia gets stronger. And here we are seeing the Soviet Union come back into, come back into uh, formation. This may not be a complete cycle, but this is where we're going, folks. This is where we're going. And you know, for you, and, and for those of you that have friends that are Democrats that think Biden's doing, I sent my, I sent my sixth sister a text and I said, are you ready to admit that Biden was a, Biden was a, was a mistake? She goes, no, why? I don't, I don't know what planet she lives on, but I don't know what a lot of Democrats live on a different planet than us. It's time to start pointing these things out. Maybe, maybe they'll pull their head out of, out of their butts and maybe they'll start to see things clear because it's starting to get clearer and clearer and clearer to all of us that have logically thinking brains. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for part one of the main event. Uh, stay tuned for five minutes of sports, weather, traffic, and commercials, and I'll be back with lots more. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Planet Home Lending. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio because if you're not in the market, it gets boring listening to that stuff if it's, uh, if it's not something you're interested in in the moment. But if you are, if you think it might be, might be time to do something with that equity in your house, if you think it's, uh, and you might want to refinance a piece of property that you own. If you think you might like to own a piece of property and you need financing. If you think you're, uh, you or your spouse is over 62 and you might want to look into one of those reverse mortgage things uh, and find out what they're really all about. Or if you uh, want to get an escape from California uh, property, and I think I'm up to about 25 or 26 states now. Uh, but if you're looking for a property in another state, um, and, uh, and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Planet Home Lending logo, and I will uh, help you uh, help guide you towards uh, the right decisions for you so you, can, uh, so you can get on with your life, whether that's here in California or it's uh, in another one of the states that are a little bit more uh, America. Looking for that word. Looking for that word, America. You know what? Uh, one of the things that when Don and I bought our, our property in Montana, um, we went on a road trip just to get out of California. We went through uh, uh, up through Yellowstone and we went to uh, Mount Rushmore and we stopped in Bozeman uh, to visit a friend who uh, bought property up there and, and also still has property down here. And, uh, and she said, hey, come up here. You'll love it. You'll love it up here. And I say, okay, we'll come up in, the, in September. We do our road trip. And we spent two days in uh, Bozeman and Belgrade, and uh, I, and Don and I both go, man, it's so so much more America here than in California, and uh, and I could do this. And so we said we'll come back in the winter time, and if it's not too terrible, we'll look at some properties, and that's what we did. And so now we own a Escape from California property in Bozeman, Montana, as well as uh, one in Arizona as well. And uh, if you want to follow in our footsteps, or if you think you might want to talk about it. 855-640-2020 or edhoffman.net. Click on the Planet Home Lending logo. So anyway, we've been talking. Let's get back to uh, what we're talking about this week. So we've been talking about uh, the war in Ukraine and how how uh, Biden administration has misplayed this and how uh, how he didn't think about 
what he was doing, displaying weakness to the world. And of course, who's responsible for this? One of my uh, one of my uh, relatives uh, sent me a text said, "Hey, Russia and Ukraine, who's the bad guy?" I said, "The bad guy is the Democrats who stole the election in in November 2020." Because if Trump was there, Trump Trump represents strength. This never would have happened. It's not a question of we're policing the world. It's a question that that the United States state stands as the as the the power for uh, for uh, for good in the world. And all the evil doers across the globe know that hey, if they if they try to to do something that's not ethical, moral, or uh, you know, just uh, naked aggression. Um, that the United States will come to the aid of a friend. When we installed, when we, when the Democrats installed, and I won't say we elected, when the Democrats installed uh, Mr. Magoo into the White House, all that went away. We don't have any strength anymore. Trump used to stand up to people, hey, you guys, we're, we're, I got this, uh, this thing called the United Nations, but you guys aren't the only one kicking in is the United States. You guys got to kick in or else uh, this thing's going to go by the wayside. Hey, NATO, you know, you got all these countries, the uh, North Atlantic Treaty uh, Organization, uh, I think that's what it stands for, um, that, hey, we're all, we're all supposed to uh, come to the aid of a friend and uh, attack on one of us is an attack on all of us. But you guys aren't kicking in to make this, to, to cover the bills on this thing. And all of a sudden, all the other countries started stepping in. And saying, "Hey, United States is going to stop, stop uh, just picking up the tab all the time." Trump said, "Hey, Germany, we're not picking up the tab for defending you from Russia. Then you're going to buy all your oil from Russia. Nah, that ain't going to happen. You buy your oil from us." And uh, you know, Trump had a brain. Trump was strength. Trump would take out the the evil people in the world, and everybody knew it. We don't have that anymore. Our, our, our president now stands for diversity. It doesn't matter if you're competent. Let's get a vice president who's a, a woman of color, which incidentally, I hadn't, I hadn't uh, uh, even mentioned this on the, on, the, on the show in the past several weeks, but apparently um, somebody dug up Kamala Harris's uh, birth certificate from way back in 1970-something, uh, and uh, and she's listed on her birth certificate as Caucasian. I don't know, woman of color. But that's how we picked our vice president, especially which is especially important when we have a president who uh, who doesn't look like he's got the strength to to put in another two years, or another three years, or maybe not even another six months. Uh, he doesn't really have the power to power his voice to make a speech. Uh... I'm boring myself. Uh, let's go on to another subject. That's our president. So let's go back. How does this? How does what's going on in Russia and Ukraine affect you? In both their speeches this week, Biden and Harris acknowledge that the sanctions will inevitably raise energy costs. Here's Kamala breaking the news through her muzzle mask. Uh, that it's our patriotic duty to accept this conflict to accept that this conflict will force us to pay more at the gas pump. Expected to go to $6 a gallon in California, and then Joe explaining how he plans to come to the rescue. When America stands for her principles and all of the things that we hold dear, um, 
it requires sometimes for, for us to put ourselves out there in a way that maybe we will incur some cost. And in this situation, um, that may relate to energy costs. As we respond, my administration is using every tool at our disposal to protect American businesses and consumers from rising prices at the pump. As I said last week, defending freedom will have cost for us as well and here at home. We need to be honest about that. But as we do this, I'm going to take robust action to make sure the pain of our sanctions is targeted at a Russian economy, not ours. We're closely monitoring energy supplies for any disruption. We're executing a plan in coordination with major oil producing consumers and producers toward a collective investment to secure stability in global energy supplies. This will be uh, this will blunt gas prices. I want to limit the pain to the American people are feeling at the gas pump. Yeah, he wants to limit the pain that he caused. The pain that he caused by setting down XL pipeline, shutting down drilling in Anwar, shut, uh, shutting down drilling on, on, on all uh, federal leases. And then here's Nancy Pelosi uh, on how what Putin is doing justifies whatever price we end up having to pay. And of course, and of course, listen to this. And is she describing Putin or is she describing herself? This is a very evil move on the part of Vladimir Putin. He's a KGB guy who happens to be probably the richest man in the world because of his exploitation of his own people that he doesn't want them to know about. Yeah, sounds like uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi. She's doing insider trading. She's awarding, uh, awarding all kinds of contracts to, uh, to her husband. And they're getting insider trading deals, and she's she's uh, picking up on uh, on stock tips that are about to be affected by uh, by by uh, stuff that's going on in the federal government, and she's making uh, stock stock sales and stock uh, buys right right in the just in the right time that only an insider would know about, and uh, she's becoming the. Ri- one of the richest people in the country uh, by uh, taking advantage of the people. And she doesn't want anybody to know about it. Sounds like what she just said about Putin. Meanwhile, a mass cyber attack has hit several Ukrainian government websites and our own FBI is warning that the same thing could happen in the United States. Here's the story in Newsweek. An FBI report, and I'm trying to say this as, uh, as understandable as I can. An FBI report obtained by Newsweek has called on the U.S. private sector to be prepared for a potential state-sponsored cyber attacks to be launched by Russia as tensions over Ukraine threaten to spill into an all-out conflict in Eastern Europe. From the Liaison Information Report, LIR, dated February 20th, the FBI Cyber Division prepared this Liaison Information Report to inform the private sector about the threat of Russian state-sponsored advanced persistent threat cyber activities while tensions with Russia are heightened. So the FBI Cyber Division prepared a report to tell that Russia is uh, is putting together a persistent threat against cyber activities. Um, the FBI is engaged in efforts to support the U.S. response and secure the homeland from any Russian actions. Historically, such Russian advanced persistent threats Actors have been have used spear phishing and brute force cyber network attacks while exploiting known vulnerabilities against accounts networks with weak security. Okay, that's news. Um, Russian advanced 
Russian advanced persistent threat actors have targeted a variety of U.S. and international critical infrastructure, including entities in the defense, industrial base, healthcare, and public health, energy, telecommunications, and government facility sectors. So the FBI is saying all signs point to an impending Russian cyber attack on America's critical infrastructure, not the Democrats' version of the infrastructure like paid family leave, abortion, and climate change, but real private infrastructure like our defense contractors, energy sectors, and telecom companies. You know, meaning that uh, they're not going to attack uh, attack uh, abortion and EBT cards. They're going to actually attack attack things that are going to screw us up, make your computer not work, make your bank account not work, make your electricity not work. But apparently the White House has selective hearing when it comes to the FBI. That report came out on, on uh, the 20th. Two days later, on the 22nd, Jen Psaki said this. The president said in the spring that Pentagon generals had briefed him that the greatest threat facing America is global warming. Is that still the assessment now that we are facing down a potential cyber war with Russia? Well, I, uh, let me first say there is no, uh, well, we are always prepared uh, for any threat that any outside entity or country poses to the United States that relates to cyber or anything else. There is no current pending threat on uh, as it relates to cyber. Nope, no current threat. She doesn't know about, apparently she doesn't read Newsweek um, or FBI reports. So, you know, the FBI, FBI is to be believed at all times. Uh, as long as it, as long as it's a, you know, bringing up stuff against uh, uh, potential uh, collusion between Trump and the Russians, but when it comes to the actual real stuff where they might uh, cyber attack our country and uh, shut down something that actually is real, nah, that's there's no current threats there. The Democrats' bottom line in this: America needs to fall in line here because children, and this, and of course, this is Wednesday because remember the day, the word for the. The word for the day on Thursday was deter, but children on Wednesday, the word for the day was democracy. I think the one thing that we all agreed upon, the attack on the Ukraine by the Russians is an attack on democracy. Putin is terrified by the prospect of a democracy at his border. And that's why defending democracy both at home and abroad must be an urgent national security priority. What is our democracy worth? if we're not able and willing to stand against an invasion of another democracy. Yeah, Eric Swallowell always has, always has a good way to put things uh, to make it sound like an idiot. Wait, you just said, what is our democracy worth if, it's, if we're not prepared to defend another democracy? Well, wait a minute. We just told the whole world we're not, we're not, going, we're not putting our military in Ukraine. So how are we defending it? We're putting our, uh, our military in Germany. That's like, hey, your house is burning down in Moreno Valley, and we send the fire department to Riverside. Uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that, what an effective plan that is. Maybe somebody should have uh, thought about that before we put Mr. Magoo in the White House. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Amazing. So let's talk about, let's, let's talk about, uh, some of the other ways that the, the government's lying to us, let's talk about the CDC uh, and things that came out this week. More lies and hypocrisy in the spotlight this week, starting with the New York Times exposing the CDC for, for withholding COVID data that's inconvenient for their, for their agenda. 
Wow, that's that's uh, something we could have uh, we could have predicted. From the report, two full years into the pandemic, the agency leading leading the country's response, the CDC, to the public health emergency, has published only a tiny fraction of the data it has collected. When the CDC published the first significant data on effectiveness of boosters, and probably for any vaccines at all, in adults younger than 65 two weeks ago, it left out the numbers for a huge portion of the population, 18 to 49-year-olds. The group the data has showed was least likely to benefit from the extra shots, or the first shots to begin with. Uh, the first, the first two doses already left them well protected. I say, Hey, this is BS anyway, because we don't have any proof that the vaccines do anything for anybody. Oh, wait, it's going to keep you from dying. If you get COVID, how do you know that we don't have any proof of any of that? That's all BS. They've been feeding us. CDC spokeswoman, Kristen Nordland, uh, said the agency has been slow to release different streams of data because basically at the end of the day. It's not yet ready for prime time. You know what that means? Not yet ready for prime time. That means they haven't figured out how to present it. So it fits their agenda. Well, we don't really know how to say, uh, say this because it conflicts with what we've been telling everybody before. Meanwhile, the CDC has quietly changed the, the speech milestones, meaning what they, uh, what, what they publish as normal expectations for your child. Uh, for toddlers, and it seems pretty likely this is because of masks. For the last 20 years, the CDC has said the children at two years old, 24 months, has expected they were expected to know about 50 words. But in the guidance updated this week, the CDC raised the time period to 30 months, giving kids an extra six months to learn 50 words before parents should worry about their development delays, de developmental delays. Like uh, my grandson, who's autistic, you know, we just thought it. At, you know, as he's getting, he's just not talking very much. And, uh, and we said something to uh, my son and daughter-in-law. And of course it was, uh, uh, he was tested shortly thereafter and found out he was on the spectrum. And, uh, and so, which seems to be quite common these days. So they're the CDC saying now wait till 30 months for them to get 50, uh, 50 words. Uh, in the update, the CDC linked, linked to a research published by the American Academy of Pediatrics on February 8th. So is this the CDC changing its guidelines because they know that they're the ones responsible for the speech delays of toddlers? After all, they're the ones making two-year-olds and their parents wear face masks. And they're admitting that that they can't, uh, that that affects how, how kids learn, to, how they learn and how they learn to talk. By being able to see uh, facial, being able to see face, facial expressions, even the New York Times concedes that that might be the case. Their article states several studies do suggest that masks make communication difficult, inhibiting children's ability to recognize one another or each other's emotions. Here's Dr. Nicole Sapphire. We have studies in the United States, the UK, the Netherlands, all of these places that are demonstrating infants and children during the pandemic are, are faring poorly on gross motor skills, fine motor skills, and overall communication. Why is that? Well, face masks may be a part of it. The facial recognition is very is vital for ch childhood development. What's happening right now with the CDC quietly doing this feels eerily similar to last summer when the American Academy of Pediatrics started deleting stuff off of the their website about childhood development and the importance of facial recognition because at the same time they were pushing face masks in young children and you can't have the same you can't have them both you can't say it's important for children to see people's face when you're there saying put a mask on it it doesn't make sense 
Yes, it's a tangled web we weave when we choose to deceive. And it, you know, it's they're they're saying this, 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 all all these facts, all these years. And then all of a sudden, hey, we change the narrative because it because it fits what we're trying to do in the in the country. And it all of a sudden, wait a minute, if we say this, it it conflicts with that. Reminds me of a scene from a, the movie A Few Good Men. You ever served in an infantry unit, son? No, sir. Ever served in a forward area? No, sir. Ever put your life in another man's hands? Asked him to put his life in yours? No, sir. We follow orders, son. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. Are we clear? Yes, sir. Are we clear? Crystal. Colonel, I have just one more question before I call Airman O'Malley and Airman Rodriguez. If you gave an order that Santiago wasn't to be touched, and your orders are always followed, then why would Santiago be in danger? Why would it be necessary to transfer him off the base? Santiago was a substandard Marine. He was being transferred. That's not what you said. You said he was being transferred because he was in grave danger. That's correct. You but said I... he was in danger. I said grave danger. You said, is there I any recall other... what I, I said. I can have the court reporter read back to you. I know what I said. I don't have to have it read back to me like I'm... Why the two orders? Colonel? Sometimes men take matters into their own hands. No, sir. You made it clear just a moment ago that your men never take matters in their own hands. Your men follow orders or people die. So Santiago shouldn't have been in any danger at all. Should he have, Colonel? You snotty little bastard. Yeah, it's a bummer when uh, when you have to eat your own words. You know, I, I heard a, a prayer a long time, long time ago. Lord, make my uh, make my words uh, uh, sweet and tender for uh, in case I have to eat them. Um, I may not have said it just right, but it just popped into my head and made and it made sense with what we were talking about. And even though no one in L.A. for the Super Bowl two weeks ago wore a mask inside a SoFi stadium, Children throughout California continue to be subject to mask mandates in school. Maybe we should be more like the parents in Virginia, like this mom in Montgomery County uh, School Board meeting, uh, Alicia Bott. She stood up in the school board. Uh, she stood up to the school board chairperson, Susan Cass, who had bullied parents for, pro for pro protesting mask mandates. Mandates which, by the way, have now been overturned by the governor, by the new governor, Glenn Youngkin. Uh, now that there's a Republican governor who abolished the mask mandate, the school board wants to disobey the state. Ms. Cass, you also yelled at me the last time I was here for taking off my mask. Here's a picture of you right here on Facebook with a crowd of people. That's it. With no mask on. Uh, this Excuse is my me. time and I don't interrupt no. you. Here's another picture no. with you with a no mask on. I'm sorry, Ms. Vaught, you are done. If you are going to sit there and disparage a member of our school board, then you can sit down. If you have something effective to say, can we have a police officer, please? Really? Yes. I, no, I'm not scared. I don't care. I would like you to either talk about something. You can talk about something that is, concerns our school board. Is there something about our students you would like to talk about? Then talk about our students. Can you please ask Ms. Vaught to leave? Time is up. When she leaves or I leave? Time is up. So did you hear, hear the, uh, the one lady? She leaves or I leave? Because I don't like being uh, called out that I'm not wearing masks in a crowd while I'm making all the kids wear masks. And uh, I'm a hypocrite. 
and uh, and I lie about uh, about what's important and I to fit my agenda. And then if you watch the video, and I've seen the video on on TV uh, on may, on many different stations and many vi- different versions. But uh, uh, on one on one time I watched it, they actually showed the whole video, and uh, and watched the school board member actually walk out. Okay, I'm out of here. And then somebody somebody yells, "Well, hey, if you can't handle this, maybe you shouldn't be a school board member." <sighs> you know, if you have something to say that concerns our kids, well, having your kids having to wear masks all day that concerns our kids, don't you think? It's time to start saying something, folks. It's time to start speaking out about the, how the how the government's trying to make us wear masks. Why the government's trying to force people to have vaccines or they get fired? Why the why our government is uh, cutting off our our uh, our energy independence and making us pay more money at the pump? Completely unnecessary. The price of gas didn't go up. We just we just shot ourselves in the foot. And now it's now it's coming home to roost. What are we gonna What are we gonna What are we gonna What kind of a uh, uh, Punishment are we going to get for having the open border? When is when is one of those illegal aliens going to show up on your doorstep and actually affect your life? You you that doesn't speak up, they're going to affect your life when they break into your house or they carjack you, or they carjack somebody you love. And I saw one carjack where the lady had her two kids in there, and she was and she said, or she oh her kids weren't in there. She said, please don't, please don't. Uh, I'm a mother of four and the guy takes her car and shoots her anyway. When is this going to end folks? It's time to uh, wake up and use your voice, use your voice and stop, stop conforming. Well, we're supposed to wear a mask. It's keeping us all safe. It's not. Anyway, I'm all out of time for uh, this episode of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back again with lots more next week.